1: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com
2: slash Wondery.
1: This episode of The Hash is sponsored by Bitstamp and the Galaxy Brains podcast. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network.
0: Hey there. Happy Monday. Welcome to The Hash here on Coindesk TV. I'm Zach Seward. That's Wendy O, Will Foxley, and Jensen Sinassi. We're here to get you up to speed on all that's going on in the world of crypto news. Our first story of the day.
1: Caroline Ellison taps SEC's former top crypto regulator as lawyer in the FTX investigation. I don't think this is a coincidence, and I think these people know exactly what they're doing. So apparently, the ex-Alameda CEO, Caroline Ellison, has reportedly hired a former enforcement director to represent her in the FTX investigation. Mavakian um, is, cur- is currently the chair of the Securities and Financial Services Department at law firm Wilmer Hale, and she shared her role with Director Stephen Perkin, who is now representing FTX in its bankruptcy pro hearings. I actually want to give this over to probably Will. I want to get a very problematic take, and I want us all to argue about this.
3: <laughs> you want a what problematic so take about this? <laughs> I mean, yes. I don't know if this is like, this is pretty straightforward, right? Like she's she's in dire straits. Sam's been dumping on her on every single Twitter spaces we can find, every single little PR uh, magnet he can pull. He's been dumping on Alameda and distancing himself from Caroline Ellison, who was his former girlfriend, according to Coindesk reporting. And that's a pretty tangled love affair at the very least. And for her to go and hire a lawyer who has expertise on this makes sense. This is the next thing that everyone in the crypto reporting circles was looking for, for her to lawyer up. Uh, we know that Sam Bakeman-Free has also been lawyering up, right? He's f- hired at least two sets of lawyers. And I think the first set decided to distance themselves from the case. Uh, and then we also know about his parents who've also been lawyering up. So there's just going to be more of this going into the new year. I think this case is going to take quite a while to figure out. Uh, and then on top of this, we have the part about where is Caroline Ellison? People have been looking for her. There's been some tweets that she maybe moved to Dubai, maybe moved to a a country that has a non-extradition treaty, just like we saw Do and others move to. Maybe that's part of this case as well. But we also might know that she might be in the United States. For this point, we don't really know if that matters as well because the DOJ and others have not really said anything about them being a flight risk or them actually putting out a warrant for arrest at this point. The only reason that really mattered for Do and others is because there was a warrant for arrest for those individuals. We don't have that right now for these individuals, but at the very least, they are luring up, and they are concerned somewhat about jail time. Zach will boot it up to you for your take.
0: Yeah, where in the world is Caroline? Is like a good subplot in like you know <laughs> shady crypto figures, and I think I I would be remiss if I did not mention a series of tweets from earlier this month in which Caroline allegedly was photographed at some New York City coffee shop, and the speculation was therefore that she was there, you know, to turn state's witness against SPF, (laughs) other Sam, Sam Tribuco, also co-CEO of Alameda at one point, and to help sort of uh, find her way out of this mess. Because you're right, Will, I think the rhetoric around SPF being like, I don't know nothing, it was all Alameda, blah, 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 I'm responsible, but by the way, it was definitely them, seems to have ratcheted up in this uh, continuing media circus that SPF cannot pull himself away from. He was on a number of Twitter spaces even today, sort of, again, looking to tell more and more of his story. This time, apparently, to a group of quite skeptical people who are gathered in one Twitter spaces, at least this morning. So, yeah, man, this thing is going to drag on forever. And we're still in the early innings of highly entertaining intrigue. And certainly, the Caroline angle captivated a lot of interest, probably for dubious reasons, most, mostly related to the alleged relationship between the two. But her role in this whole thing as a co-CEO the hedge fund itself, is going to be highly revealing should she ever end up speaking, especially under oath. So yeah, going to be weird to see how this one plays out. And if it ends up being he said, she said, fingers being pointed every which direction, that still is very likely and could ultimately come to pass. But I'm going to toss it down to Jen, see if she has any takes on this one.
2: I like Will's description of the tangled love affair that just keeps getting more and more dramatic. So I... I think that if it is true that Caroline is reportedly working with regulators to turn state's witness, it makes complete sense that she would bring this lawyer on board, this lawyer who knows the inner workings of the SEC. She knows how to work with regulators. She's been working for government for a really, really long time. I would think that is someone who could potentially negotiate a good deal for you to turn state's witness. When I was reading the story, I thought about the story we spoke about, I think it was a few months ago now, about lawmakers talking about the revolving door between Washington and the crypto industry. I think it was AOC and Warren who came out and said, you know, like, what are we doing to address this? Should we address any potential conflict? Wouldn't be surprised if we see these same people come out and say, if you've previously worked for government in the same year, I believe that the article said that this lawyer was working for the SEC this year, earlier this year, Should you be representing people that the government are going up against? I don't know. I I know that if you work at a law firm, you don't represent both sides of the story. And, And I can imagine lawmakers coming out and questioning this sort of thing, although it is totally kosher as it stands. Zach, I saw your hand go up.
0: Yeah, I mean, the tangled web, you know, let's forget like the polycule and all that spicy, you know, New York Post garbage for a second. And just, you know, the tangled (laughs) web here on the legal side is actually really interesting, too, right? You know, this lawyer, she was the co director of the enforcement division with the lawyer who is now representing FTX, right? So these are people who were at the SEC working together, who now may be working on both sides of the private side of this whole fracas. And these people are no slouches, right? These people were involved when they were working for the government at the SEC with the Ripple Lab suit, with other suits in the crypto space. So they potentially know it well, and it would make sense for someone in this position to seek out the best possible expert here. But it does sort of, again, I think to Jen's point, speak to that tangled web of people who were former regulators now using that subject matter expertise in the private sector. And it creates this strange dynamic where it's kind of like whoa, wait, like which side of the fence are these people on now? And it's kind of just very confusing in terms of past roles, new roles, and how these are all going to kind of like potentially intermesh in a really uh, crazy way. Again, this is all reportedly. We'll see what happens, but let's change gears. We're going to me. We're talking about <laughs> insurance. Let's get boring. No polycules here, folks. We're talking about crypto insurance firm Evertas out here raising $14 million. These are headlines that you would see pretty regularly in the good old days. But now here in the depths of crypto winter, a raise of this size, I guess, is notable. But I think it's really the topic that's probably more notable, right? These firms who have exposure to imploding, hacked, exploited projects often are uh, with few options as it relates to crypto insurance. So Ian Allison, among uncovering a bunch of scoops in the space, he's also been kind of chronicling the evolution of crypto insurance over the years. And this is the latest from him with this raise from EverToss. I'm going to throw it straight to Wendy for her thoughts on the crypto insurance sector. Uh, what are your thoughts here?
1: I actually like that we're going to have some sort of crypto insurance coming. One of the issues that we have in the space is a lack of regulation, the lack of clarity. And I feel like self-governance is going to be a big theme that we can see. If the crypto industry can, per se, can go to lawmakers or regulators and say, hey, this is what we've been able to build. Let's just go ahead and allow this that might actually be able to push more positive regulation in instead of letting a government entity decide what we do. And the reason why letting a government entity decide what we do is because they've already showcased us problematic behavior with the lack of regulations. And as we talked about in the story before, they don't really have guidelines of who can represent who if you work for a government entity and then merging over into crypto. So I think this is a good thing I like it. I know it kind of goes against the whole true decentralized economy ethos, but at the same time, I think it is a necessary thing that we need in the industry, especially for people that are brand new.
2: I completely agree with you, Wendy. And I think that it's the perfect time to be speaking to investors about this story and this thesis and the perfect time to be speaking to consumers about this. You know, we had FTX implode. We have everyone talking about, you know, what if this happens again? What about hacks? What about theft? and insurance is the solution. I know that there is a, a quote in the article from the CEO, and see, he said that for years, they've been talking about trust accounts, degradation of assets, and delineation of ownership in the event of bankruptcy. He says that you know they've been underwriting that for three or four years. And so this makes total sense, I think, for centralized exchanges. We often talk about Visa and centralized banks and how they offer these assurances to consumers. And if you're new to the space, maybe you sometimes get that confused and don't understand why you might be losing your money when there is something that goes wrong. And so I think this is great. And it speaks again to that optionality. If you think this is totally whack and you hate centralization, there are solutions out there for you. There are decentralized ways for you to go out there and take on that risk yourself. And so I think it is good. Will?
3: Yeah, the product market fit timing is really nice. and We saw that with the ledger news as well, right? Where everyone wanted to go into self-custody. During a period when FTX was blowing up and people did not have self-custody of their assets and therefore lost them. In the same way, we've seen a lot of exchanges go insolvent or products go insolvent, teams just be blown up, treasuries be insecure. And now you have an insurance product that's coming onto the scene. I think this is going to bring a lot of adoption for this insurance company specifically. And then just like lay some light onto the insurance angle in crypto because there's a lot more teams that are actually building insurance in crypto than just this one team here. There's a lot of different protocols for that. There's a lot of people building these sort of uh, insurance products in order to help the space in general. And so I'm glad to see that it's being trotted out. It's unfortunate we really only focus on these things during like the down markets, but that's how it is. I think there's a bull market for exchanges and assets, but there's also a bull market for insurance and hardware wallets and things like that. And they're typically off cycle from each other because people don't need them until you need it. Uh, Wendy, I'll throw it up to you, but also saw Zach's hand go up.
1: Really quickly, if this does get pushed through, they actually are able to provide some sort of insurance to people. I think one of the biggest complaints we're going to see is the turnaround time. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been in a car accident, but when you're in a car accident or you do actually have to file an insurance claim, you don't get your money like that. There's a lot of investigation that has to happen. A lot of different things have to happen. So people are going to use this and think it's going to be an easy, all-encompassing thing that's not going to be the reality. But I still am very excited to see more of these pop up and hopefully they are legit and people are able to feel a little bit safer investing in crypto. Zach, go ahead.
0: Yeah, a couple more options on the DeFi side. Nexus Mutual probably is the one that comes to mind in terms of how to hedge risks in a DeFi-friendly way. The thing I wanted to pipe in about was uh, an interesting name on the cap table of this one, Sino Global, which Coindesk reported lost a bunch of money in FTX collapse, both through direct exposure and sort of indirect ties was involved in this round for this insurance provider. So for this to be kind of one of their, uh, their first investments in the wake, that uh, is, I think, salient and perhaps a bit interesting. Jen, last thoughts before could we note. shift gears? Good note. Thank you. Thank I you, knew, Will.
2: I knew you were going to toss it to me for last thoughts on insurance. I mean, I think this is just the road to boring, right? More protections, <laughs> more regulation for the people who want to invest in crypto in a safe way. And I love it.
1: Times are tough, particularly for crypto, but Bitstamp's different. Bitstamp is the longest-running crypto exchange and among the most regulated in the world, which includes a bit license in New York and a payment institution license in Europe. And when it comes to your funds, with Bitstamp, your crypto belongs to you. All your fiat and crypto are kept 100% separated. It's why CryptoCompare ranked Bitstamp the number one crypto exchange, awarding them the highest possible AA rating. Learn more at bitstamp.net.
3: Hey, Will Foxley here, co-host of The Hash. One thing we can take away from everything going on in crypto right now is that it's important to go deep and verify. Crypto Twitter is great, but 280 characters can only go so far. One podcast we love is Galaxy Brains. Here's the host, Alex Thorne, head of research at Galaxy Digital. Thanks, Will. For in-depth takes and probing analysis on topics, trends, and events
0: across the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency ecosystem, check out Galaxy Brains, our weekly
3: podcast. Find Galaxy Brains on your favorite podcast app and on galaxy.com forward slash research. Presented to you by one of the most trusted teams in the industry. Someone's buying our coins. I'm glad to see that. We got Kathy Wood out here purchasing more coin stock. She did a little bit of that last month for her ARK investment firm, which is one of the more leading or bleeding edge tech ETFs out there. According to an investor email, they purchased about 78,000 shares of coin, the stock for Coinbase, the largest US-based exchange. Why is this notable? Why should you care about it? Well, it's good to see someone purchasing our coins during a bear market. But on top of that, it just leads into a thesis that Kathy Wood's ETF has had since the beginning, which is a purchase really out there tech ideas, hold on to them for dear life. Do not sell them. Purchase feeler, crypto stocks, investments, I should say, earlier this year. And this just follows up on that thesis. Even into a bear market, her firm is actually down quite a bit on the year. So it's interesting to see them continue to pile into this purchase. We're gonna talk about purchases and trades. We gotta throw it up to Wendy. Wendy, what's your take on Kathy Wood purchasing more coin?
1: Didn't she end up selling some at a loss or was that a separate investment that they made? Do we know? I want to say, I think that's true. I haven't, I didn't get a chance to fact check that, but I guess now would be the time to start investing is, in things because it looks like we do have a local bottom in, especially when it comes to Bitcoin. And if you look at the stock market, there's some stuff going on over there. So, I am all for aping into things and hopefully buying that dip and capitalizing later on. So I think it's a good thing, but I just want to know if she sold at a loss prior and then is kind of getting back in. And if so, that could have been done for tax purposes. Jen?
2: I I, I stand to be corrected, but I feel like the last time we spoke about Kathy Wood and ARK that they were buying uh, coin shares. I don't know Will, if you have anything about that, but I'll just keep talking and someone will fact check me in a matter of minutes. It's the magic of TV. Every time we talk about Kathy Wood, I just remember her prediction, $1 million by 2030 is her prediction for the price of Bitcoin. And her actions are really backing up this prediction that she vocalized in the public. I think that Coinbase is probably suffering a little more than they expected at their last earnings call because of the implosion of FTX. And customers, you know, not wanting to experiment and also taking their funds off of the exchange. I think it's important to note that Coinbase is a public company. So there are those audited reports out there that back up their financials. And I think we can say with a little more certainty that Coinbase is more secure than some of the private firms out there. And so Kathy is buying the dip and good for her. And I hope this works out for them. Zach?
0: I just want to say good knowledge to Wendy. She was thinking about late July when they sold like 1.1 to 1.4 million shares of coin. So indeed, there was some selling that occurred. And now they're back on a buy and tear. At the time, there was some uncertainty about an SEC probe, among other things. And now I guess some of those doubts have receded into the background with the SEC potentially having bigger fish to fry at this point in time. So whatever the rationale for Kathy's resumption of buying coin and potentially, I don't know, being one of the bigger coin bulls out there, uh, I don't know what was driving it, but she's back potentially seeing a deal. I don't know, Wendy, do you look at, do you like TA on like on this stuff? What do you got?
1: I haven't had a chance to do any TA on it, but um, fundamentally, this does make sense to me as an investor. The reason why is with the recent crypto contagion, we've seen so many exchanges go under. Coinbase is probably one of the most regulated and they, because they are a public company, I feel like it's probably a safer bet for her to also have exposure into the crypto industry. That's the only thing that I can probably think of without reviewing the chart or without looking at um, some of the fundamental analysis. Will?
3: Yeah, no, just following up on that, uh, just like Zach said, they sold off a little bit in July and August because of the SEC probe, and then they started purchasing again in November. And if you're looking at it from an investor standpoint, sold in that period because the price is going down and they've been able to scoop it back up for cheaper and just hold on to that same thesis, right? They're long Coinbase because they are long crypto and Coinbase is the largest US-based exchange with the most regulation because it is public. All of its information is public. You can go find it out. The SEC is regulating them. So it's good for that to be just out there and open. I see why they purchased it. One thing I want to turn our attention towards, however, is just the fact that there are institutions still interested in the space. I think a lot of times we get uh, distance from that conversation because coin prices are down. But if you look at the number of exchanges or companies that are holding Bitcoin on their balance sheet, it's still significantly like it's up there. like Tesla is still holding onto its Bitcoin. Microstrategy is still holding onto its Bitcoin. A lot of these firms, you might just expect them to like they're not important anymore, but I think it does like create a nice foundation going to a bear market that we haven't had. In the past, so a little hopium on this headline. I think we should write it just a bit. Zach, I'll boot it up to you for final thoughts on that.
0: I'll bounce passes to Wendy. She has got her hand up and everything.
1: If I'm looking at the right chart, it would make sense for them to buy now because it broke all-time low support, and we're I think we're currently trading at 41.85. I hope this is the right chart. So it would make sense for them to kind of get back. And I'm also looking at the price action back in July. They sold at about 60, $61 to approximately $45. So they kind of are already up on their initial investment, I would imagine, if they're using those same funds.
0: Trading corner, Wendy O. Yeah, yeah there's, <laughs> they bought, they bought 5.7 million. They sold, let's say, 1.4. So I guess the conviction is still there. Maybe if Coinbase weathers this storm, right? We've seen a bunch of uh, exchange outflows. Uh, if they are in good standing, as everyone seems to believe that they currently are, then I think the long-term prospects for Coinbase are probably pretty good if they can get this shock out of their system. But again, it's a pretty crazy moment out there. And as we've heard from, I guess, Wendy and others, uh, holding money on exchanges right now is probably not the best bet. So uh, if this crisis passes and Coinbase is still standing strong with FTX in the dumps, Binance still in the crosshairs, I guess Coinbase is the only game in town. But anyway, let's change gears. I'm throwing it to Jen. What do you got?
2: All right. Let's check out what's going on with the celebrities. So there is another class action lawsuit that's popped up. And this time it's naming celebrities like Justin Bieber, Paris Hilton, Jimmy Fallon, and more. The plaintiffs in the suit allege that Yuga Labs NFTs were misleadingly promoted and resulted in financial damage. The suit represents investors who bought Board Ape Yacht Club NFTs or ApeCoin, the governance token used in the Ape ecosystem between April of 2021. And now the lawsuit is being brought by Scott and Scott Attorneys, which is the law firm behind the class action suit filed against Kim Kardashian, Floyd Mayweather, and others over their promotion of Ethereum Max. That suit was dismissed by a judge on Thursday. And now the lawyers are representing some other people who are saying, these celebrities shouldn't be talking about this thing because I believe them. And now I have no more money. Wendy, I'm going to kick it off to you. Uh, I know we see a lot of these class action lawsuits, especially during a bear market, but, but what do you think? Is there any merit here?
1: Um, as somebody who holds a mutant ape and ape coin and got the airdrops and did really well on that particular trade, and again, I own my mutant ape free and clear, um, I don't feel that I was misled. I also understand the risks of investing in things anytime I played the lottery. I generally don't win and I lose money with that. So I think these lawsuits are very frivolous and silly. I do understand though, the importance of disclosure. So if these celebrities did not disclose that they received this Whoa. NFT as a gift or whatever, I can see the issue there. But blindly following somebody, regardless if it's food or you know an NFT, I think it's just kind of silly and it just makes the, it not only backs the court systems up, but it's just ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And like the lawyers are out here just dropping bars on this one, right? So lawyers for Yuga Labs, they're saying, we strongly believe that they are without merit and look forward to proving as much as it comes to these claims. Also throwing in that the claims are quote, opportunistic and parasitic. So bring in some words to the fight to add a little bit of spice to this one. I mean, this is a little bit of opportunistic ambulance chasing. Seems like that's sort of the vibe right now. People are hurting. Their investments are down bad. They're looking for recourse. And they turn to you know legal outfits like this to go maybe get some money on their behalf. It'll be interesting to see if this one also uh, comes to the same fate as the recent Ethereum Max one. That's different, I think, from the SEC fine against um, Kim Kardashian. Just to be clear, but the class action was indeed dismissed, tossed out of court by a judge last week. So this could ultimately find its way toward that, or maybe it's materially different, and this one stands up while that one does not. Time will tell. But yeah, at least the Yuga Labs people are. Are, are agitated. I'm going to toss it down to Will.
3: Yeah, this is the importance of saying not financial advice whenever you tweet about a crypto coin, because you might end up in a class action lawsuit. So be very careful to always tweet that in all caps. Justin Bieber and Madonna are learning that the hard way. I think a lot of these class action lawsuits are going to be tripled out over the next few weeks or months as people like look in their investments and realize that, hey, maybe I shouldn't have listened to that celebrity and I'm not very good at taking personal responsibility. Then they're going to join up and take it to the courts. And I expect most of these to be thrown out. It is interesting. However, Zach, you pointed out like the SEC is fining individuals still for their involvement in these schemes, but then in, the court, in a class action lawsuit in a court sense, they're throwing them out, right? So we have like almost two different perspectives on how people should act in the public when they're giving out financial advice, where a regulated body like the SEC is going to give you a fine for saying something, but a judge is going to say, no, that's the responsibility of people who decided to hand over money. Um, I, in particular, sort of like the latter where you're going to throw these things out because people should do their own research and should look into these things and they are making their own personal decisions. But I think other bodies like the SEC might see that a little bit differently. Jen, I'll throw to you for last take.
2: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. So in this complaint, they refer to NFTs as securities while the SEC hasn't really come out right and said that NFTs are securities yet. So I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Could we get some clarity via class action lawsuit? I don't think we will, but the lawyers are trying here. And another interesting tidbit is one of the plaintiffs said they purchased a Mutant Ape Yacht Club NFT for 5.3 ETH uh, and the misleading promotions led to losses on their investment. But the floor price for a Mutant Ape Yacht Club NFT as of this morning was sitting at around 14 ETH. I understand that the price of Ethereum, is down now, but I just don't feel like that's a very strong argument if we're looking at ETH as a currency, but we'll, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens.
0: Is Jen out here doing the one ETH equals one ETH meme? Has that, has that jumped the chasm <laughs> from the Bitcoin yeah. side? Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly like, what's eth, happening. In ETH terms, they're and, up. In I ETH, it's up. The dollar yeah. terms are down <laughs> real bad. But in, in, in ETH yeah, terms, tag, hey.
2: tag me in. I'll, I'll be on the legal team. Yeah, <laughs> In the metaverse, you're rich. In
0: IRL, you're poor. <laughs> yeah, thoughts and prayers. All right, we're going yeah, to end it there. Uh, thanks for watching the show on a Monday. <laughs> this is The Hash. This is Coindesk TV. Thanks for being here. We're also on Coindesk Podcast Network. A lot of good stuff over there, too. We're just here for you, like through thick and thin, good times and bad. I'm Zach, Jen, Will, Wendy. We're signing off. Have a great day.
1: You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network.